We Saved You a Seat is sponsored by the Oklahoma Family Network. Oklahoma Family Network focuses on supporting families of children and youth with special health care needs and disabilities, as well as families who have children with a mental health or behavioral health diagnosis. Oklahoma Family Network provides families with emotional support, resource navigation, parent-to-parent engagement opportunities, and wants to ensure quality health care for all children and families by building strong and effective family professional partnerships. All right, welcome to We Saved You a Seat. I am here, your host, Tamara Crabtree, and with me today, I have Bree Medeiros. And Bree is a mom to two amazing little people And one of them you had in the NICU for a while and one uh, recently you had during the season of COVID. But Bria, I just want you to open up and maybe introduce you and your family a little and tell us a little bit about about who you guys are. Okay. Well, I'm Bria. Um, I am 31 um, and I kind of waited later to have kids um, because I'm type one diabetic and kind of have to get, you know, sugars and things in target before you can start planning that kind of stuff. And I've been with my husband for going on 16 years now. We actually met in elementary school 19 years ago. Well, 20 in August, we kind of grew together. And now we have our two little boys, River and Ronan. River's two and a half. Um, He was actually a micro preemie and Ronan is 10 months and he was just a regular preemie due to both different reasons. Um, And we have a teacup Yorkie Chihuahua mix named Yoda. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love hearing how you guys just grew up together. Uh, you and your husband from, you know, elementary school, growing up together, and then becoming a family and a family with two boys, right? So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your, let's see, it was River. River was your preemie, is that right? So, tell us a little bit about your experience and maybe why you uh, had him early, if you know, sometimes we don't know, but um, maybe kind of walk us through a little bit of that. Okay. River, he was 10 months or 10 weeks early, um, due to IUGR, um, which is inner uterine growth restriction. And, um, also I had low fluid as well. And he was early because he had actually stopped moving and I had noticed it on the weekend before I was supposed to have my next appointment. And, I just had a weird feeling about it. So I, when I went in, I told my doctor I wasn't feeling good. And this was actually on my husband's birthday. And, uh, they, she was like, no, I need you to go to L and D and go get checked out. So I did. And, um, he was measuring only 26 weeks and then, my blood pressure was really high because I had preeclampsia and they had already known that. Um, it just kind of had gotten worse because the medications I was given weren't really working to keep it down. And so after staying there for two days, we had like uh, biophysical profiles. And the first one we had, it was 
um, he got, he scored a six out of eight, I believe. And he was moving just fine for them when they hooked him up to the monitors. But then overnight, within really like a matter of about three to four hours, uh, they noticed that he was getting in distress. So they ordered another biophysical profile and it turns out he got it too. And they said he wasn't even moving at all and his heart rate was starting to drop. So they came in, they were like, you're doing this now. We're, we're going to have him." And so within like 45 minutes, I was in the ER getting Wow. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Now you said you mentioned that you'd gone in on your husband's birthday. So was he born close to your husband's birthday then? He was born two days later. Oh my goodness. Happy birthday, dad. Right. Yeah. (laughs) A little early. I mean, an early, early birthday present, right. Even though he was late, (laughs) it was after his birthday. Wow. Oh my goodness. Those are, those are some scary times when they, when they're testing you and making sure everything's okay. And and all of a sudden it's like, nope, we're doing this. We got to go now. So um, yeah, yeah it, it can be some scary, scary moments there. Uh, so tell me a little bit about, did you, did you have family there to support you guys? Did you have, what was that like? Um, we had no family there at all. It was just me and my husband. That was it. My family doesn't do well in hospitals and neither does his. So it was just kind of like, Cause we had literally had just told them a couple weeks before that we were even pregnant to begin with. Oh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> he, we're pregnant and now we have a baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, that's but yeah. We had no family there. I'm sorry. You didn't have any family there. I know sometimes when we do end up having those emergency C-sections and, and deliveries that sometimes families don't get to get up there as often or as quickly as they want to. And, and so sometimes that, that can take a toll on us. So tell me a little bit about your, your transition from having the baby, you know, having him and then those opportunities to go see him. How was, how was that for you? Well, having him was fine, but then, you know, they let me take one picture with him and then it was like, he had to go. So I was just there and like laying because I didn't want him to go to the NICU by himself. So my husband went with him. So it was just me laying there wondering, like, I don't know, did he make it? Because he had stopped breathing right after he was born. And he was intubated when I first saw him. So it was just, I was terrified. So like, I mean, I felt like I was okay, even though they told me I almost didn't make it. But just watching him be rolled away, that was like the hardest part and then I was sitting there alone with these strangers holding my hands and holding you know vomit bags and then you know I had to wait a full six hours so I was even able to see him and so you know they rolled me back to my room for recovery and when I got there my husband's family was sitting outside the waiting room and I didn't know they were even coming so I was like, oh gosh, I can't, I can't recover yet, you know? And so I kind of had to, I kind of put on this like face of like, I'm not terrified. I'm fine. You know, even though I was exhausted and not feeling good and worried and, but it kind of helped that time go faster till I was able to see him. And then when I finally was able to see him, they were like, oh, you got to come back in like an hour. Cause it's time to do your medicine. Like, 
um, I'm about to go meet my son. So I'm probably not coming back in an hour. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. It's like, I have an opportunity to go see my baby. I'm, you know, in my life doesn't matter at this point. I want to see my baby. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of hard. Cause like they would keep, they, the nurses and stuff would call down to the NICU, like, Oh, where are you at? It's time for your medicine. I'm like, yeah, I just met him. So I barely even got my finger in the, in the incubator you know, or in the isolate. So it's like, no, like I kind of put my stuff on hold so that I could see him. Yeah. Funny how we do that as moms, isn't it? For our babies, just kind of put everything on hold so that we can see and love and, and touch and care for our babies. So, yeah. yeah. Well, um, so kind of talking about maybe that, that space of putting ourselves on hold. Um, I know you shared with me a little bit of some postpartum um, things that maybe went on with you. Do you mind sharing a little bit about maybe some postpartum health and things that took place in your life? Yeah. Um, at first I was kind of like, I felt like I didn't bond with him at all because breastfeeding, I wasn't even allowed to try breastfeeding when he was first here. Cause you know, he was in the isolate and he had been intimated, intubated and everything. So I didn't even get to try that until he was well past a month old. And I think that kind of took away like that bonded feeling. Cause he was, he was already out two months early or two and a half months early. And then I, you know, I wasn't producing anything. It took like a week for me to even get any kind of breast milk. So I was like, well, I don't have anything that I can bond with him because I wasn't allowed to hold him because he had, um, he had his IVs in his belly button. So I wasn't even allowed to hold him, um, until those came out after a, a week. Um, so I just kind of, you know, blamed myself. Everything was on me. Like I didn't take care of him well enough while he was in. So that's why he had to be out. And, you know, I would just sit in the room, in my hospital room and even in the NICU room crying at even the littlest thing, like just hearing somebody else's baby cry. Um, like when I went up to my room and, or even in the NICU when I couldn't hear him for those first few days because of the intubation, um, if I heard a baby cry, like I just welled up with this like fear that I was never going to be bonded with him. Um, and I'd never have any kind of relationship with him. Um, and that it was my fault that I should still be pregnant and all that stuff. Um, and for a while I didn't even like, it was like, there was nothing else besides the, the darkness of what was weighing on me from him being early. Um, and then, I mean, it took a while, but I finally like asked like for some help um, and saw uh, a counselor, um, which helped. But I, I think also at the same time, like seeing a counselor also made it a little bit worse um, because I don't think they understood like the trauma of having to leave your child every single day. Um, I, to go home and do I normal think, things. Yeah, I think maybe that is, um, you know, with the guilt of feeling that she she didn't do what her body was supposed to do. 
mm-hmm. then that wondering, are we going to bond with our babies? You know, how, how do we make this happen? If we can't even hold our baby, I can't be mom, you know, sometimes we feel like we can't be mom. And then, you know, sometimes we, we also talk about how, you know, really talking to somebody who's been there, you know, so I loved how you talked about the counselor. Sometimes you felt like she didn't even understand, you know, so I'm talking about my emotions and my feelings, but even the counselor didn't understand. So, um, so wow. So what do you think kind of got you through some of the postpartum anxiety and depression and kind of that piece? What do you think got you through some of that? Well, I think the thing that helped me the most was, um, I, was sitting up one day in the NICU and I just started Googling all things preemie because I was just curious as what I would find and if there was things that could help me. And I actually stumbled upon the Grams Foundation and I found out that they had an app that lets you track your preemie's progress. And so I would go in there and in the app and, you know, write things about my baby that was happening. And it kind of got me into writing and documenting more and more things of like what he was accomplishing. Um, And I actually read um, an article that they had about reading to babies. So I started reading to my son through the isolate and everything. And I think that's what kind of helped me kind of feel like I was his parent again and get through it. Feeling like, yeah, feeling like this is what I can do as mom. And and this is allowing me to bond with my baby a little. So here's um, my voice. So, oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. How long was River in the NICU? He was in there for 44 days total. So I guess you got to go home maybe a little bit before his due date then? Yeah, he came home, I think, two weeks before his due date. Um, how about the progression? Do you see any development, uh, developmental Uh, milestones that aren't being met now or do you feel like he's on target now what are some of the things that you're seeing now as a result of kind of being that preemie he does have some delays um he we know for sure he has a feeding delay and I think that it was triggered because um his stomach sphincter didn't develop quite right so he has GERD and esophagitis um so he does have trouble eating and he'll try things but it's not you know, he's very cautious about what he will try. Um, and, uh, he is just now like in the last, like two months developing words. Um, so he's, I mean, he had started to say words on time, but then he kind of dropped them and then he didn't talk for a long time. Um, so we just did like, um, sign language as much as we could, or just tried to guess what he wanted. But now that he's like picking up words like crazy, but he is still, still delay delay, but he did walk on time. He walked at nine months. (laughs) Wow. Oh my goodness. I was going to say you had your hands full then. (laughs) Yeah. So now let's talk about Ronan. Um, Ronan's your newest addition, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, tell me a little bit about Ronan. Well, Ronan, oh man, he's just, he's me. He's little me. I just, uh, he is 10 months old. He just turned 10 months old. Um, and he is just 
everything his brother does. He wants to do, he wants everything to do with him. Um, and he's, he's talking, trying to walk. And... How is it different having um, one that was born on time, not necessarily on time, but a little bit early versus one that was 10, 10 weeks early? Oh, it's completely different. I mean, Ronan was like a full-term baby. I mean, he was seven pounds, seven ounces. Um, and he so far has hit like every milestone early. Um, and just the weight difference and I don't know, it's, it's completely different because river, we'd kind of have to wait and see and you know, we'd have all these therapies that he would have to go to and, you know, just having to be in the NICU for as long as he did, where Ronan didn't have any NICU time. He, um, and like I said, he's met every milestone. The only thing that Ronan really had was a tongue tie and we got that cut pretty early. So. Say, why don't you tell us a little bit about a tongue tie? Tell us a little bit about that as a mom. Well, at first I didn't know anything about it, but I kept trying to breastfeed him and like he latched the first couple of times, but then like he wasn't getting any milk at all. Um, even though it was coming, he just couldn't like swallow properly with it. Um, or even like he was having trouble even latching onto like a bottle nipple. And uh, every time like a nurse would come in to see him be like, they would ask me, you know, he has a tongue tie, right? And I'm like, no, I don't know what a tongue tie even is or looks like. So no, I didn't know, but they kept telling me that, like, I'm supposed to figure out what to do about this. And I had no idea. And finally, uh, they were like, well, he might not be able to breastfeed. We might have to try like nipple shields and things like that. And so I was like, okay, we'll try that. So we did all that and he still wasn't getting anything. Even with the bottle, he wasn't really getting a whole, a whole lot or anything. And then, so finally, like the last day in the hospital, I asked the, the pediatrician that came in, I was like, he has a tongue. They keep telling me he has a tongue tie. What am I supposed to do about this? And then <laughs> she was like, oh, it looks fine. It looks fine. And then like, we got out of the hospital and he went to his first real pediatrician appointment with the same pediatrician we had just seen in the hospital. And I asked her about it again, cause he still wasn't eating right. And uh, she was like, oh, I think it looks fine. I was like, well, can I get a second opinion? She's like, oh yeah, I'll go get one of the doctors who does all the tongue ties here. So uh, the other doctor came back and he was like, this is a fear tongue tie. He really needs to have this cut. I don't know why they didn't cut it in the hospital. Oh, wow. And he was like, well, do you want to go ahead and do it? I was like, yes, let's do this. <laughs> He's like, this could affect the way he eats forever if we don't cut this. I was like, okay. So we went and did that. I was going to say, so walk me through that process. Is that something they can do in the office right there with you there? Or is that a, a surgical thing that you have to go in and you have to have all of that? Walk me through a little bit of that process. Well, for some, some kids do need surgery, but my, my son didn't. Um, they just have like this it's like a little, um, like plastic, uh, tongue, uh, compressor except for it has like a slit right down the middle that they just slide into the tongue tie piece. And then they just snip it with scissors in that open spot. Oh, wow. Wow. So yeah. did they do it right then that day? Yeah. yeah. Just like that. <laughs> Everything's yeah. fixed. 
Oh my goodness. Well, I guess that that, and he was able to eat pretty quick after that. Yeah. I mean, he never did get back to breastfeeding. We tried for about a month and it was just didn't happen. So we went with bottles and he, he took them just fine. Yes. So let me ask you this. Were you a pumping mom then? Is it, were you, um, with Ronan, did you decide to pump kind of like how you had done with, um, with River? Yeah, I pumped for, I probably pumped with him for about a month and a half, but it was, it was really stressful on me, um, to be just exclusive pumping. Um, cause I did it for a long time with River and it just, it was hard then too. Um, but with Ronan, I felt like it was harder cause you know, River had just, you know, he, he had started to get like that. I need to be in everything phase. Um, and so like having time to like play with him and meet his needs along with Ronan's needs, it was just easier to stop after a month, but I had to stop anyway, cause I dried up. So. Yes. Wow. Well, I was going to say, I, I'm, I'm just so proud of you for all of your um, the challenges that you were able to overcome and kind of figure out. So that's, that is really, really good. Let me ask you about um, Ronan's kind of postpartum experience. Was that different postpartum experience than what you'd had with River? I think so. Cause like with River, I was, you know, I was kind of not bonding with him very well, but with Ronan, like I felt completely bonded to him, but I still had this feeling like I'm spending too much time with him and not enough with River. So I kind of felt like I was losing that bond with River. And I think that took a toll on me and also still, you know, the whole, I wasn't able to breastfeed thing kind of took a huge toll on me because that's all I wanted to do, you know, because I felt like that would bring us closer. Um, and Ronan was not a, he's not very big on, uh, baby wearing. So it was a lot harder because with River, I baby wore all the time. He needed to be right there, but with Ronan, he does, he doesn't like to be like confined. (laughs) So it was a a little boy with a big brother that he just wants to emulate and be able to go and go and go even when he was a little one. Right. So, yeah. And like with River too, River, he grew slow because he had been so small to begin with, but Ronan, like, I mean, he just grew so fast. It's like, I didn't have any time with him as a newborn. I felt like, so it was, I think that kind of made it worse the second time. But whereas with River, I got help. I tried to get help, uh, you know, with counseling with Ronan, but, you know, a lot of doctors weren't seeing people. Um, and just even getting an appointment was rough. And I never actually even got one. So um, with either a counselor or with, um, the lactation consultant. So it was kind of, kind of hard because I was trying to get help for the things that I felt like I needed to, you know, be better for both boys and it didn't happen. So I think it was worse that way. Cause I didn't have that help. So I was taking it out on myself because I couldn't do these things that I should have been able to do. So, um, yes, and I think we kind of, uh, I'm going to take this back a, little, a few steps because we did kind of skip over the, the whole when um, Ronan was born. He was born, uh, if I remember, March 11th, right? So yes. he was born in March. 
And then it, it was like, COVID was on us, right? I mean, all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's like, okay, COVID's blowing up the world and no one gets to have visitors. No one really gets to go see doctors. No one gets to really do anything. So, so I think that was a great description that you just gave that you were, you were seeking the help. Um, mm-hmm. and, but at the time doors weren't open, you know, because right. of COVID. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about it. Were you able to have visitors in your hospital room or, or had COVID hit at that point and then COVID hit or kind of walk us through a little bit of that? Well, the first case of COVID in Oklahoma actually happened the same exact day that he was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happened, they happened to be at the same exact hospital that we went to. And wow. so <laughs> the very first day when he was born, like, you know, it was a rush because, you know, he had been fine, but then my blood pressure just creeped up. So, you know, he had to be an emergency C-section because I had been planned to have him at like five o'clock that night, but my doctor came in at one and was like, we're doing this now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, when I came out, they were like, yeah, you can still have visitors and everything and everything was normal. So I had my husband there. I had my son there, or I had river there and, as each day kind of passed, like they would have the doctor or the nurses and the doctors come in less and less. And then probably like two days in, they started having all the nurses come in with masks and then they would check our temperatures and things like that. And then on our third night there, they came in at the middle of the night, woke everybody up. Um, cause my, my son river and my husband both stayed with me the entire stay until that night. And they were like, no, everybody has to get out. We're no longer allowing visitors. Um, you can't even come. They were like, you can't even come back to help her help me pack up things to go home or anything. Um, so they made them leave at like every, every room, if every visitor had to leave by 5am on our last day there. And they were like, everybody needs to be wearing masks. They offered me a mask that day. I didn't take one because, you know, I was, I thought I was going home and I was in the room by myself and they weren't even having doctors come in. They literally had us just talking to them over the phone. Um, if we needed wow. anything and like, they wouldn't even let food people or cleaning people come in. Um, so our food would just be left outside in the hall until a nurse was available to come bring it to us. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Talk about very, um, and say two ends of the spectrum from when you walked in to deliver to when you were able to be discharged. So, mm-hmm. wow, you were just right there in the midst of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just can't even imagine COVID versus NICU. I mean, I just. <laughs> I take COVID delivery. any day. <laughs> <laughs> you would take COVID any day. So you would, you would much rather take a COVID delivery over and you stay any day. So, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we have so many families experiencing NICU in the midst of COVID now. And mm-hmm. um, so that's quite the journey as, as well. So, well, I just cannot thank you enough for sharing a little bit of River and Ronan with us today um, in your journey and uh, the ups and downs and uh, the positives and some of the hardships. So, um, you know, I kind of like to end our little time together by asking, you know, the name of the podcast is called We Saved You a Seat. And so as you kind of thinking about people in your life or people around you or people you know or don't know, um, is there a group of people that you would say, you know, I've saved you a seat. Come sit by me. Who, who have you saved a seat for? 
honestly, I think probably the other preemie parents or even not even, you don't even have to be a preemie parent. Someone just, you know, who had a NICU stay. Cause I feel like honestly, those are the people that I'm connecting to right now. Cause they're still going through the same things that I am like with, you know, rivers therapies and things like that. So I think since I'm not really, I'm not really seeing my friends, those are the easiest people to talk to because they, they're going through it during COVID in lockdown. So I think that's who I'd save a seat for. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, so before I end, I want to ask you about some of the therapies that you guys have. Walk me through your day of therapy, just because I'm, I'm always curious and love to hear about the therapies that we've got our, the, the, some of our kids are in. So yeah, tell me a little bit about that. River is in, he's in feeding therapy. He is in um, occupational therapy and speech therapy. Um, So right now it kind of just is through Zoom. Um, So I take videos of him eating and they kind of critique on how he's eating. Um, And we practice like with a chew tube um, and things like that, trying to get him to try different textures. and then with occupational therapy, it's teaching them how to pretend play um, and, you know, trying to get him to like, just see how he walks. Cause he did have ataxia um, when he was a year old. So he kind of loses his balance quite a lot. So it's, that's kind of what it looks like. And then with the, um, the speech therapy is just trying to get him to say words. And if he says a word, then I try to add one on to it. So like, if he says truck, then I say big truck or red truck or things like that. And right now it's just through sooner start. Um, But because not a lot of people are, you know, still seeing people in person. So we're still trying to get an appointment to be in an actual facility. Yeah, as I was say, COVID has interrupted our lives in, in many, many ways. So, um, but thank you so much for sharing your story and um, kind of a little bit about your journey. I know that there'll be other families that will love to hear about this piece of it. Um, and I appreciate you saving the seat for all the other moms out there who've experienced NICU um, and therapy and a diagnosis and uh, all of that that's out there. So, I, I look forward to watching um, Ronan and River uh, just grow up and become uh, people that they are and, and experience life through them. So well, thank you so much for sharing this. And, and I can't wait for your story to reach others and uh, for you to get to hear from other people who are experiencing things very similar to you that you'll be able to mentor through some of this. So. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you letting me take the time to tell my story. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Saved You a Seat. Oklahoma Family Network promotes family-centered care and provides tools so families can make informed decisions, advocate for improved services, build connections among families, and serve as a trusted resource in health care of children and young adults. If you would like to become a supporting family, or get in touch with another family, please contact Oklahoma Family Network at oklahomafamilynetwork.org or by calling 405-271-5072.